Hello and welcome to InBold, the podcast brought to you by Strategy and Middle East, where we dive into the most important topics impacting the Middle East and the world. I'm Karim Daoud, and this is our second season of InBold, where we're lifting the curtain on the media and entertainment industry. In every episode, we're covering one angle of media, and we're inviting our guests to come in and share their experience and perspectives on where the industry is going. This episode is on the music industry, episode four. So sit back and enjoy as we dive in. And we're back to Involved uh, here in our Experience Center in Dubai. Today, we're absolutely delighted to have with us Mo Hamze, ex-managing director of Warner Music in the Middle East, founder of Temple Entertainment, an independent record label. But Mo really is, is a man of multiple talents. He himself is the lead singer of a band called The Chords. So he brought some alternative rock to the region and to the world, accompanying even sometimes a Deep Purple in a tour in Europe. We're absolutely delighted to have Mo because of the 360 perspective he brings to an industry that has gone through a profound transformation over the last 20 years. So welcome on board. Thank you for having me. Hello, Salah. So Mo, let me get started with a 20-year perspective. I was just reading a report now about the music industry, the sales. In 2001, when you were starting your career with Virgin Media, megastore in Lebanon in in retail sales. The total sales of the industry was $25 billion worldwide, globally. globally, Yes, and and a good 99% of these was physical sales. Fast forward 20 years now in 2021, everybody knows that the streaming is the phenomenon that has taken the industry by storm. Definitely. So can you give us your... First, uh, thanks for having me here. And it's a great honor, pleasure to be with you. I started in 97, actually being Warner label manager with the licensee of Warner then in the MENA, called Music Master at the time, which was basically the physical business and our role was distribution and marketing of the physical products Mm. of an international repertoire company at the time, which is Warner, of course. And then in 2001, I moved to Virgin Megastore, which was the opening of the retail chain of Virgin in downtown Beirut, that was the first store. And then we expanded, of course, in the region and in Lebanon as well. So at the time, the physical business was mainly focused on few stores and even before Virgin, where physical CDs were the main uh, product that was sold. Of course, there were cassettes as well Uh before. And cassettes were mostly produced locally CDs, depending on the company, of course, the, the which label, so they were partly imported or some of them were locally produced. But at the time, I can tell you it was the majority of the consumption was a piracy and oh, physical, really? physical piracy. That was uh-huh. massive, yes. massive, massive everywhere, uh-huh. all over the region. So. So when, when Virgin started, because of the brand power of Virgin at the time, people wanted to go and have this experience and buy CDs. Yes. So that's why you saw this massive Update. growth. And don't forget the prices were really overpriced, even for the CD price. Yes. You know? So this is why you saw this market value in, mm-hmm. in the 2001. So this is the best days. The best days. You know, what, what we've seen is for the next 10 years, it was downhill. It, it was, went as low as uh, overall 14 billion worldwide until something came to the rescue. 
Exactly, which luckily everyone agreed on this, this streaming model that could work because the period after 2001, I can say 2003, four, five, and up 2008, yes. this is where I believe the industry was lost and there were no agreement between specifically the big players, mm -hmm. like where do we go next? especially with technology coming. I mean, that was exactly when Napster came out and the peer-to-peer -peer files, file sharing, piracy grew in terms of what's going to happen. iTunes came up. Yes, more for the, the iPod. download model. So the download model started taking over, but what, would it be adopted by everyone? So that was the period everyone... Was floating. Was, was floating, but no one decided where we're going to go next until 2000. Eight, nine, ten things started to be clear, but still it wasn't very solid. What would be the model exactly within the streaming business? Mm -hmm. What sort of uh, subscription, how it's going to be split, that pool of revenues between labels on the consumption, how's that? So this was, wasn't structured until this period. Yes. And it you started seeing the streaming services growing. I mean, I remember 2008, YouTube just started to monetize, of course, mm -hmm. uh, talking the general YouTube, not YouTube Music, which was recently launched a few years ago. And you had streaming services, you know, Spotify, it was still new, talking 2008, 9, eMusic, Napster, even later became a, a legal service. But... It wasn't really clear until these last few years where we saw the growth all over the world. And coming to the region, of course, we're always late, unfortunately, but at least the adoption of this model started. And I can say in the past five years, things became different. Yes. So absolutely, this, this kind of global perspective, I remember reading all across the, the media press how 2021 was a year to be celebrated because we not only recovered the peak numbers of global industry size, but we even exceeded it. So this gave hope, I guess, to the whole industry, the labels, the artists, the distributors, all the players across the chain. But since you mentioned MENA, a region that, yes, lags in the adoption of these trends, maybe from a business model perspective, finding the new equilibrium, can you tell us some of the challenges and opportunities you see specifically for the MENA <clears throat> music industry? Sure. I mean, also I want to jump a bit back on the region versus the global. World. Yes, yes. Even when, when we talk about the late 90s, early 2000s, with the physical sales, usually the artists globally used to tour mm -hmm. <laughs> to promote their albums and album sale. Yes. In the region, we used to release just to promote their live business, basically. Because this is where they because make because money. the money was in the, in the live, and and of course this proved mm. to be valid even at the time when the industry was its ah, yeah. low period. So in a way, that what helped the industry or artists mainly. Like we uh -huh. should talk about artists. For me, this is an artist-centric industry where yeah. where the artist were able to you know, sustain and still make money from the life. This is where the core business mm. is for most of the local regional artists. Yes. And of course, these artists and everyone were not believing that they're going to be just making good or enough 
revenue from their album or music consumption or music sales, mm -hmm. be it of course uh, download later, etc. So there was still this period of gray area. They didn't know what to do. They didn't believe in this model. Yes. Okay. Until recently, of course, and this is the potential and the opportunities. Mm. The region is about 450 million population. The demographic split is, is almost 70% under the age of 30, 35. The digital adoption is high. Internet penetration is higher than even other parts of the world. You have mobile penetration is high. And this is where you believe there is potential. The challenge would be how we're going to be monetizing and how we're going to be able to drive revenues from this consumption. This is where the role of the DSPs came in. DSPs, perhaps for our listeners, they wouldn't know what this is. I'm a digital service provider. Yes. Meaning Spotify, Deezer, mm -hmm. Apple Music, YouTube Music, YouTube overall. Yes. Where the potential is that these DSPs need to grow their subscriber, subscriber base. base, be it on the freemium tier or the paid subscriber base. And this is where we're going to jump between both the positive and the challenges. I'm not going to say negative. It's challenges which I'm sure we need, can... Need to uh, be overcome. We can overcome. How we're going to convert free to paid. Mm -hmm. And this is where the big challenge is. Originally, we had an issue of credit card penetration to find the proper way for payment gateways. People were not used yet to use credit card online and subscribe. It was more of a, a telcos payment. So, so the telcos played a major role or they, they should and can still be playing a major role in terms of monetizing and act as the payment gateway with the DSPs and the service providers. So this is still a current challenge. And this shows that we have a major subscriber base in terms of free that's why you have YouTube, one of their biggest watch time users is in this across, across MENA. the MENA, uh -huh. especially Egypt, North Africa, GCC in particular, Saudi, these are the main yeah. markets. I want to touch upon this. You did, you did mention that the name of the game to make this industry sustainable, the pie big enough for all players, be they the distributors or at the beginning of the chain, the artists. Yes, of and course. they're the big. But very encouraging statistic in 2021. And I'm sure we're going to get the release soon of the 2022 one. But the growth has been 35% for us in MENA. Yep. By far across all the regions from Latin America, Europe, Asia, the highest growth. It was growth, the fastest growing the fastest market. Growth. But, but as I understand from a very low base, you were, you were mentioning Yeah, I mean, before. the market size, uh, when you talk about 89.5 million, this is the last year FPI report. Yes. The, the market sizes or value is 89.5 million mm -hmm. for a population of around 450 million. Yes. It's not the potential. I mean, I used to always compare our region to Turkey. Turkey has yeah, a population of 85.3 million and the, its market size is 70 million. $70 million, right. Yes. So we're yes. 400 plus, we're 89.5. So there's way more room to grow. Of course, mm. the difference is that Turkey had and still have a much more structured industry there. 
Structured, yes, what do you mean by structure? When we talk about the music industry, it's it's always the artist, the creator, the composer, the writer, the mm -hmm. producer, where they are the core for the whole industry of creating an IP and the music itself. Yes. But when I say structured, it has publishers, uh -huh. labels, yeah. collection societies. You mean at the local level? At the local Turkey level, itself, Irrespective of, of the, the majors, the global ones. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm talking local, industry, local or exactly. majors. I mean, I'm yeah. not talking about international majors, mm. just the whole industry. When we talk about mm. the labels, the publishers, the collection societies that ah. collect the public performance yeah. and they collect the, you know, other, other neighboring rights. So yes. my point, uh, Turkey always had a better structure. Of course, it's one country. We cannot always compare just the region. I mean, yes. this is also one of the misconceptions, mostly when we have people from abroad. Just, we cannot say that MENA, uh, yes. Middle East and North Africa are just one, one, block. one right. block. But again, from the potential itself, so we can see Turkey as a good comparison. You know, look where they are and mm. where we can still be. The idea there, they had revenues coming from public performance, neighboring rights, sync, publishing, mm -hmm. and of course the recorded business. Ah, and yes. physical, and physical, because mm. physical made 10%, I think, of the revenues last year in Turkey. Still. Mm. Still, 77 was streaming, 11% from public performance rights, etc. I see. So a so more diversified, diversified revenue, revenue where in MENA, it recently, when we talk about the last three, four years, the main and the only revenue coming to the labels is from streaming. Mm. And okay. the tiny part from download, you know, which is still not there. And when we talk about streaming, it, of course, varies from the ad-supported premium subscribers. And at the certain point in the past five years, we had the vast value added services with the telcos like ringtone, ringbacktone, etc. That was also some in the early period in 2009, 10, 11, a major source, revenue, of, revenue. source of revenue. Yeah. Okay. But of course, this is now, mm -hmm. this is a tiny one. It's not a major revenue. The main revenues in MENA, it's 85.3% from streaming, purely. Absolutely. And okay. within this streaming, if you talk about pure revenue mm -hmm. point, it's, I can say more or less 50-50 between ad-supported and premium. Mm -hmm. That's from the revenue value, but not the volume. Yes. In terms of the average monthly users on the DSPs, the, the ad supported is a major number from the uh, subscriber base. But this definitely is important moving from piracy to the, you know, legitimate, legitimate legal distribution of, okay. of remunerating the artists at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the challenges because when we talk about the region, unfortunately, it's a cultural and educational process. To whom? To consumers, yes. they, they, for them, music, it's free. We're raised in a way like music, we don't pay for it. Yes. You know, we, we would had it pay on the radio waves we, before. The radios and then piracy, we just like, oh, it's not part of the mm -hmm. culture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's something. We think only to pay for it when we go and watch an artist or a live performance. Yes. It's more the big restaurants or the private mm -hmm. weddings, parties, etc. It's not the proper concert 
festival mm-hmm. setup. Okay. With time, this is definitely changed. Very good. So, I mean, one, one has to hope that what has happened globally in terms of the record labels finding the healthy business model sustainable with diversified pools of revenue, streaming being the main engine, but then others, they seem to have found a balance. Now, I guess the question for us here in MENA is, irrespective of the growth potentials, because consumers are more aware of the value they have when they subscribe through legitimate, you call them digital service providers, the platforms, the convenience, the discoverability, all the advantages of going it through a well-designed user experience. So yes, the price point is one thing, but it's the whole experience, the sharing, the community, all the advantages you have uh, by going legal effectively. Definitely. But then you did mention a few things missing. When you compare to more structured markets, where you have probably associations, where you have players that cover uh, essential needs that the whole industry needs, it seems we have more to do in the region a lot as an industry. To do. At the end of the day, we're talking about an IP. A non-tangible yeah. asset, you know, yeah. I mean, it's an idea, it's a concept, it's a, mm. and it starts with copyright. Of course, most of the countries in the region, the copyright laws are there. The idea is, are They're you able to implement and enforce? This is where we talk about the lack of certain revenues mm. from collection societies, etc., where you protect. And the idea is, are we able to make this a career? Is it something you can make? as a career, be it a writer, composer, producer, mm. performer, as an artist, a musician. Because yes. that's the whole chain when we talk about an industry. And then you have support functions around it from the A&R, the marketing, the manager, mm-hmm. the tour manager, the video producer, the lighting, the sound engineer. Yes, the, it's, a whole- it's a whole industry where, unfortunately, this hasn't yet developed. And this mm. is where I believe now there's a big need to first educate and help the younger generation play this role. Yeah. We have a major lack in a lot of these functions. But when you describe what is needed for this to happen, it seems that the big players, the record labels, perhaps the governments or industry associations as well, have a huge responsibility. Definitely. You mentioned IP enforcement, you mentioned collection associations, and typically these are roles of associations or governments. And do you think now there is more awareness across MENA? Big time. For now and always, GCC is core to the industry and as a market, you know. So so now I believe in the UAE and Mm. in Saudi, they are heavily working and this getting to launch CMOs, like what we call the collection management organization, Mm -hmm. to collect rights, to enforce rights. So so there is definitely a lot that's been done. Mm -hmm. I'm not that's a very good sign. Again, this is when we talk about the opportunity and it's happening fast. So the Gulf will be ahead in putting this infrastructure. Of course. Then you mentioned of Egypt, North Africa, the Levant. Of, uh, because yeah. it, the infrastructure was already there. So, so this is where I believe the focus should be on GCC. And, and this would drive the rest of the, the region. Rest of the region okay. Of course. okay. Allow me now to go to another dimension of the sole industry, which is something all record labels would heavily get into. This is one of the biggest value added for the artists they represent, which is marketing and promotion. I understand the technology platform, social media has changed drastically the way record labels launch artists and launch discs or releases. Can you give us your Look, perspective? 
When you when you managing a label, of course, it has its positive and its a sort yeah. of negative aspect. But I can always think of the positive. It's a good way to discover talent. Mm -hmm. Think about it different before. When you had an A and R, you had to travel, watch events, see, discover a new band, discover a new artist, or mm -hmm. they need to send you demos and mm -hmm. go and listen to them, etc., etc. So yeah. you see this technology sort of eliminated this now you can see a lot of artists on youtube tiktok instagram ah. so doing you're talking about thing. the way to discover now that's the discovery that's yeah. very important it doesn't mean that it's going to replace the human factor yes this is where we get to the importance of data where you can use such data to decide that there is a potential in this artist or that band that's the positive side of course from the other point is that where you have the content available you need to think how the trend move and you can have moments of songs used in UGC that would help promote a certain song or a piece of music. So are you, but just to make sure I understand yeah. and for, for clarity, are you saying that with the amount of information you can gather, you can listen and anticipate trends of the types of music genres or subgenres that are picking up in parts of the globe? and then make decisions on artists? To be honest, there is no science. Mm. If someone tells you like they know that, mm -hmm. and they can crack that code, mm. it's, I mean, I would have a private jet probably now or a billion <laughs> yes. dollar question, I would say. It's, it's, mm -hmm. When you discover an artist, let's say, you see, oh, there's a potential there. They have this much followers and this much streams and this much shares, etc. That means they are a very good or potential superstar artist. People forget that the the value of the song. Yes. It's very important. Composition, mm. the lyrics, the production, the it's asset itself, the music itself. Yeah. So this is something a lot of people are forgetting uh -huh. that should be focused on. This is where we need to give it time and develop. Mm. The, the problem, I think, with the industry recently is just trying to catch up with the trends on, on all social media. So it's all, the life cycle of a product is way less now. Things are going quickly, quickly, quickly. Yes. So you, so you it have peaks to, very quickly, but then it fades. It fades fast. quickly. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Before we had a longer life cycle of a song. I see, I see. So look, you did mention before, I mean, we speak about Mina as one block, but it's very heterogeneous, yes? I mean, mm -hmm. from economics perspective, I think we touch on this when we look at the size of the pie and the structure of the market. But let's move now to the artists themselves and the genres and subgenres, styles of music that you're seeing in the MENA region. I know you worked with a local record label before, Melody, and then more recently you were in charge of Warner Music, and yeah. everybody claims that they have an interest in local talent, local artists, locally generated IP. Definitely. So my question to you is, what are you seeing as trends in the MENA regions by so sub-block? This is very important. So let's talk about the split between domestic and international. Okay. So domestic was always, I can average it, it was maybe 60-40 mm -hmm. over the whole region. Of course, this would vary from one country to another. Mm -hmm. Egypt can be 80% domestic and 20% international. Saudi maybe 45 international and 55 uh, domestic. UAE is 90% international and 10% mm -hmm. domestic. 
Iraq is going to be probably 90% domestic and 10% international. Lebanon would be maybe 50-50. And we know Mm -hmm. over the years, if you take the the split between per capita, how much content you have, Mm -hmm. it's unfortunately, I mean... You mean we, we still produce very little music? But we, if we index, yeah. we, we under-index ah. per other countries or other cultures, way, way under-index. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only in music. In general. In all, general, all, all Arab culture, content. Or Arabic, like mm. from, you can think about books, films, and music. We under-index. So there's a major need that we need to have more and more content. Understood, yes. yeah. So uh, this gets me to the point that there is need for content and you, because you have the audience, you have the, the need for it. And so the, when we talk about domestic, of course, over the years, what we call mainstream pop mm. is the main genre that is popular. Yes. However, there are some trends that are coming up and depending on each territory. So you see in North Africa, there's a major growth in the hip hop. In hip-hop? In what we call North African hip-hop. Uh-huh. Because it's different from other hip-hop in, over the region. Can you give us an example? El uh, Grande Toto. A lot of artists in Algeria, Tunisia, and, and North Africa. When you talk about North Africa, so there are a few French words because that's part of their local dialect. Mm. But the advantage of North Africa is that the, is the North African diaspora is big in France and in Europe in general. Ah, right? Yes. So the local artists have the ability to travel now. Travel mm. and they're able to generate higher revenues because of the better monetization. Better in monetization ah, yes. in Europe. Excellent. You know, per stream mm-hmm. value is higher in Europe than the region. In North Africa. Yeah. And the region overall, not yes. just North Africa. What else? Egypt. And now we can say the local Egyptian hip hop as well, not just hip hop in general or just the mm-hmm. mainstream pop. Mainstream mm-hmm. pop is always very It's important. here to stay, yes. yes. It's, it's there. Mm-hmm. But the Egyptian hip hop is massively growing. You have artists that are becoming bigger than even the main big mainstream pop artist in, in uh-huh. Egypt. And we what... have example, Wags is for me now is a superstar. Uh-huh. When we say Egyptian hip hop, it has its own sound. It's different. It, it's built on what we call the electro shabi or mahraganat music that is popular there. Yeah. So local Khaliji sound, which is I can call the mainstream pop Khaliji, that mm-hmm. is also still big and still has room to grow and the potential to come up with new sound. This is very important. You see that what we call the indie pop yes. that is, is coming as well from Jordan and has the ability to cross over. Mm. And this is where we need to talk about the Pan-Arab stars versus now. We're not seeing much the Raghib, the Elisa, the Wael, because of the way content was pushed. Of course, it was the TVs, the radios. It was a one-way push. It's now... So the whole machine was actually creating these stars, is what you're saying? Of course. And not anymore? Not anymore. Ah. I mean... So nothing replaced this. So we nothing replaced the idea of a pan-Arab mm-hmm. star is, is is going less, and we're seeing more local. Mm. Like you're going to see a big superstar in Saudi, mm-hmm. and the good thing is that this artist can have a sustainable 
business in Saudi because of the market is, is going yes. to be hopefully well developed where they can have a sustainable income, be it from their releases, live, they can tour. Yeah. So you can have a whole market. You know, when you have a star in the U.S. and you make it in the U.S., you can be fine. This is what, what's important, that we, we need to create artist careers. Uh-huh. And when we talk about artist career, that also means the industry around it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Since you're bringing up those new sounds, the new, the new trends, I was reading how some artists now were kind of going straight to the distribution platforms and, and not being produced and marketed by labels in the yeah. traditional way. Um, how do you see the respective roles of, of players there? Yes, you have the artists and then you have the distributors and then you have the labels who were dominant and, as you said, contributed creating perhaps this pan-Arab identity before. How do you see things evolving now? Good question. Yes. Look, it's very good. It's very important now. If you have the talent, you can go and record and make your music at home. Yes. Before, it wasn't the same easiness. Because you needed to go to the studio and book the studio. Mm. And then you record and you need to release it and print CDs, vinyls, tapes, whatever. So it had different model, business model and economics. So now it's the ease is there. So you have way more content. So, yes, so the it's potential, actually more difficult to be discovered. So the potential for you to pop out of it and, you know, mm-hmm. be noticed is, is, is less. Is less. It's, it's, it's harder now. So, yes. so this is where I believe, okay, you can be an artist, you can do your own thing, you can put your music out, mm-hmm. but how would you be able to market it? So this is where the labels are still playing a major role. You need a marketing machine behind you and uh-huh. budgets and people to help you develop your talent and career and sound and work with you. Yes. It doesn't mean that the artists on their own, they cannot do it, but eventually when I used to say like DIY, you know, mm. do it yourself artist or a lot of artists say that we are a DIY artist. It's not really the case because even when you're on your own, you need support. You have your friend who are supporting you, probably doing some marketing for you. Mm-hmm. You have your family probably giving you some money to produce a video. Mm-hmm. You have your connection to help you do some promotion here and there. But you always need people around you. Yes. Some well-established artists, or I can say independent artists, they were able to become big, but they would come to a certain threshold ceiling Uh where you would need then the big machine behind you or the big support Mm -hmm. and again i'm not talking about the be it major or independent label i'm talking about the label Mm -hmm. concept itself you have someone with you helping you investing in you professionally professionally and putting you on a global network okay okay very good very good yes thank you so look I'll, i'll take us just to a more forward-looking dimension. I know you, you, you're here in Dubai, you attended a blockchain conference. Sure. We hear a lot about how this technology is impacting several industries. Yeah? So how, how do you think this will impact the music industry? Definitely it will impact and it's already impacting. However, the good thing about it this time, the industry is not fighting it mm-hmm. versus how it fought Napster at the time in 2000, the industry was really late. This is when we saw this curve on 
the, they were still pushing for the CD format over and over until they missed out this period until recently, I mean, the streaming helped bring back the industry. I, I think now they're not shying away. They're, a lot of the labels, everyone is jumping into blockchain, which is based mm -hmm. on Web3, the metaverse, the NFTs. But the good thing about it is the decentralization, the smart contract, at least if we're not talking about the consumption aspect, it's going to help the transparency and the way to help artists have a direct link with their fan base, the ability to have the micropayments. You know, mm. it, it's going to change the industry, but it's something inevitable to happen, you know. Yes. So, so this is not something we should push. It's going to happen because mm. look at the gaming industry and where it is now. It's going to impact as well our industry and the way people mm -hmm. are consuming music, you know. Okay, very good. So, look, I have a, a, final, a final question arising from a very interesting piece of data. In, in 2021, for the first time, physical sales globally, I'm talking, increased again. Yeah, and, why, and some, why, territories, some territories, of course, yes. why especially vinyl, vinyl. Yeah, especially mm. vinyls. Yes, even CDs. Some territories, CDs still mm. are are important, but mainly vinyls, especially in markets like the US, France, Europe in general, because it's not just older generation that are still buying vinyls. It's the young, and this is when we talk about the fandom and the artist. You know, if you're a big fan of a band artist, yes. people want to have this physical vehicle of ownership. Ownership where mm -hmm. you can not just consume through it, just the fact that I want I that own. memorabilia, ah. I would say, maybe with other things related to the physical products that the limited edition. So there is a high trend, even especially with younger audience. So the ownership of the physical product is still important. I mean, mm. there's a lack of production and the supply chain last year, especially after COVID, the, the global mm. issue of supply chain yeah. in many aspects. So you mean we couldn't produce enough vinyls? To no, for the not at all. I mean, ah, a incredible. lot of sales were missed because of the fact that they couldn't get products on the shelf and on the right time because of the issue of, of the yes. shipping and in the production Very itself. Good. Interesting. So, mic so, so even the getting back to the region, there's this part as well that has the potential because, you know, again, we follow trends and there is a need and, and I see the potential. Mm -hmm. But this is still tiny now, but it has a room to grow. Okay, know? very good. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Mo, for sharing these insights. I think, Luke, we, for, for we went through, through all the loop. If I can just summarize the, the, the main takeaways I get from this is, is, first of all, in our region, we are growing faster than the global average, a phenomenal growth in 2021. Your hope is that the main engine of growth for all of this is those digital platforms where the hybrid model of ad-funded versus paying subscribers, streaming here is, is going to help. And uh, have the, more paid subscribers. More, exactly, more paid models. You said telcos were a, a great way to get into this. They're expected to continue, but there should be now with increased credit card penetrations, 100%. direct subscriptions. Once people get convinced of the convenience of uh, subscribing legally to all of these services and, and consuming the, the, the music. Now, the music coming from international uh, repertoires, but also created domestically. And here, what you, you shared is some very interesting insights about how we moved over the last 20 years 
from a kind of pan-Arab culture of music that, again, was, was pushed perhaps by the local labels we had, by the pan-Arab TV. And then when we moved more into streamings, local communities, we seemed to be headed towards regional versions of this. Uh, the Gulf versus North Africa versus Egypt versus the Levant. So an interesting space to watch there. And it probably means a lot of opportunities for local artists to be directly discovered through the local communities. You did touch upon the importance of data as well that is expected to change the way artists are discovered and, of course, the way they're marketed and promoted, leveraging the social media platforms, <laughs> etc. So future is bright, I would say, for anybody listening to us Definitely. Uh, in the music Super industry. Super bright. So the future is bright and... Definitely, there is, a, again, the need to create the infrastructure and the support system for the younger, talented artist. Very good. Well, great to finish on this positive note and outlook. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Mo, for taking the time to join us and thanks, thanks, enlighten thanks us for having me. with thanks your experience. For having me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Strategy and Middle East podcast in bold. Stay tuned for more and see you next time.